Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer in Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment Family. Welcome, dearest listeners of the Well-Rounded Table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Lady Colleen McMillan, and as far as I know, not allergic to bees. And I am the new Viscount, who is sure, yes, quite sure in my decision. So will you all please stop asking? Anders Drew. And I'm your resident Paul Mall champ 2022, Flo Siegel. And I have a, a visitor with me. It's my daughter, Charlotte. <laughs> and she can't stop laughing because she's off to bed. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, we vary in terms of our ranks here at BGS and amount of children that we have. One thing will always remain constant. There's always more to learn from the tongue. Yes, that's right. This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into that saucy Netflix series, Bridgerton. This week, we're diving into season two, episodes three and four, which are titled A Bee in Your Bonnet and Victory. Both these episodes were directed by Alex Pillai, with Sarah L. Thompson and Chris Van Dusen as the writers of three and four, respectively. Now, consider this your spoiler warning. All of season one and two of Bridgerton are fair game for spoilers. Probably some Jane Austen, because Colleen's here. Definitely some adult content, because we're all here. Uh, mostly <laughs> yeah. involving very intense stares and some very heavy breathing. So many heaving bosoms. So That's many. what we love to see. All right, so break out the punch and lemonade. Let's go to the ball and just don't get caught on your own in the conservatory with your single, somewhat distant cousin. It's not what you want. Or do you? <laughs> No judgment, no judgment. Love to be married to you. Of course. Okay, so let's get into it. We start with a flashback in these episodes. Uh, Anthony is hunting with his father. It's 10 years ago. And he gets some fatherly advice about relationships. And then Lord Bridgerton is stung by a bee. Um, He goes into anaphylactic shock. And Anthony is forced to watch his father die while a very pregnant Violet, she's pregnant with Hyacinth at this time, rushes out to try and help only for her husband to die in her arms um, while Anthony looks on, which is super hard. It's a really tragic way to start an episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really intense. Um, Okay, so then we get a nice voiceover from Lady Whistledown who informs the audience that the Sharmas are headed to the Bridgerton country estate Aubrey Hall, which is lovely, by the way, mm-hmm. side note, mm-hmm. so pretty. Um, so they're heading there for a few days before the Bridgerton's annual ball. Then at the Featheringtons, Lady Featherington is preparing to leave in a few days for the ball while also fretting over whether Lord Featherington will find a new wife who will throw them out of the house. That's like her only thing she's focused on this season. She decides to scheme in order to match prudence with him, despite the fact that they are cousins yummy this totally this absolutely reminded me it it took me a little while to finally figure out like 
what this scene reminded me of. And it brought me back to 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> because this is when Lady Featherington is like, we need someone who I can basically bend to my will, who like do what I say and not really be wise to the fact that that's what I'm doing. And which is why she lands on prudence. And it's that line from 10 things I hate about you, where they're like, we need someone with money who's stupid. Yeah, that's such, <laughs> I love that movie so that's much. Such a good movie. <laughs> I'm getting a Tracell. <laughs> yes, we can mix our Shakespeare with our Austin. That's perfectly fine. It's so good. Oh, at Aubrey Hall, Daphne arrives with her baby. All the family get to have like their little interactions with the little baby. Except for Eloise, she's not all about that life, which is me. That would be me if someone tried to hand me a baby. I gotta say, that's totally fine, though. Like, that's, I, I, it's totally fine for you to not be like a baby, but I gotta say, this was a really bad look for Eloise when she's like, she's straight up just rude to Daphne in this moment. Like, hey, do you want to see the baby? And she's like, why? Is it different than the last time? Has it changed? changed? (laughs) Like, (laughs) if you're not all about the baby, like, that's cool. But you can still go look at him and be like, oh, you can go look at him and just say, or you could say, you know what? I'm okay. I don't, yeah, just say no, thank you. And it was like, she was nasty. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's her look this season is just not great. No, it's not. <laughs> but Daphne, not deterred by anything, is amazed that Anthony has invited a young woman. Oh, my stars. And of course, she'll help him win over the family as he was such a great help to her last season. <laughs> is that a promise or a threat? It's both. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> When the Sharmas arrive, Kate and Anthony have a witty interaction that causes Daphne to mistake Kate for Edwina. Not shocking whatsoever. Their chemistry is just like, it's great. It's crackling. They are just hot, hot, hot together. And Daphne's like, "Mm." (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. Anthony asks his mother for her ring, which I'm not going to lie. I don't think the ring is very cute. No, it's not. No. Not not very cute. I think they could have done a lot better on that one. So he can propose to Edwina something Violet is visibly uncomfortable with, as she wants Anthony to want like to, he she wants him to have a clear mind basically and be like, you know, are you in love with this girl? Is this what you want? Which mm-hmm. is fair. A parent should want to ask their kid that after they've not known this person very long, and they're like, give me the ring. I want to propose. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we get another flashback. Anthony is just being bombarded with requests, questions, decisions he has to make in the wake of his father's death, including things like, oh, should we move your stuff into your father's room? While his mother is still like distraught and hysterical on the stairs of the fact that her husband just died in her fucking arms. Yeah. To the point where it's about to push her to go into early labor. I mean, Uh, it's a miracle that it didn't. And it's like, it's really a miracle that she pulled through that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Sheer will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sheer willpower and hatred for the doctor. <laughs> yeah. She is Lady Violet Bridgerton, not Darth Maul Colleen. That's <laughs> <laughs> Although she'd look great with some like fake legs and a dumpster. Some robot Scorpio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Robot yeah. Scorpio. She rocked that <laughs> shit. She's still over cleavage. It's fine. She yeah. Great. She'd look great. Anyways, back in the present, Daphne's giving Kate and Edwina a crash course in Pall Mall, uh, which is basically a croquet. Um, Kate seems like really intrigued by the strategy involved in this game. And Edwina just seems a little off about the whole thing. She's just not really like a sports person. She's not super competitive in that way. Uh, back at Mila, Madame Delacroix's Modiste, Lady Featherington's trying to get Prudence to show off all of her 
let's say assets as much as possible mm -hmm. uh, to the point where she takes her to another store when Madame Delacroix is like, lady, no, that's not gonna work. Yeah, looks terrible, stop it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Penelope and Madame Delacroix have a brief yet very pointed conversation about their encounter at the end of last episode where Madame Delacroix never says she knows who Penelope is, but very much says she knows who Penelope is. She's so good. I just like she love is. that interaction because it's like mm -hmm. so like sneaky. It feels like very feminine of the time. Just like, let's yes. not say it, but we know what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then of course, Paul Mall is on. Kate grabs Anthony's favorite mallet, which is the black one, the right? Black like the, death. The, the mallet of death. <laughs> um, he's left with the worst choice, which I think was pink. Pink. Yeah. Which is like, whatever Calm down, Anthony. Pink one so annoying Kate super into the game she is like the antithesis of Edwina who like has no enthusiasm for it she's kind of like borderline being rude about it like it's kind of tough so during the game Benedict tells Colin he's applied to a prestigious art school which is very exciting good on you mm -hmm. Kate uses her turn to knock Anthony's ball into the woods then Edwina loses her ball and she just like pieces out of the game rather than retrieve it, which like, again, like, I think she did it on purpose. I know, but it's like, yeah. you're being annoying. Like, I, don't I mean, like it's that. just, I mean, it, yeah, it's not your thing, but she's, she's trying, but then I think it's just, she's very weirded out by how I mean, they are. I yeah. get it. But like, if you're going to agree to play, then play. If not, just like bow out earlier and go sit with the moms. Mm -hmm. you know like I don't know it was just like kind of weird also like are you trying to impress this guy or not like play let's go anyway <laughs> um then Colin sends Kate's ball in the same direction as Anthony's and the pair go to retrieve them and they find a mud pit um cue like a mud sequence <laughs> um Kate tempts Anthony with an offer to cheat um a quick note here Kate's dress matches the flowers on the bushes that they go through to underscore the idea that she is, in fact, where she belongs with Anthony mm -hmm. at Aubrey mm -hmm. Hall. Anyway, so the they mud. fall in the mud. <laughs> they start laughing uncontrollably. They're getting along. It's great. And then Kate points out where the balls are. Spoiler, they're near his deceased father's yeah. grave. Yeah. Um, Anthony gets very short. He decides the game is over. He does not want to talk about it. And then Kate retrieves her ball and she finds the gravesite and kind of yeah. understands what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is very sad. Tough. Yeah. I understand Anthony a little bit here. He's, he's still being a prick for a lot of this time. Yeah, he's still being a But I understand why he's being like this. So we get another flashback, which is very traumatic. This was a lot. This was a whole lot to watch. Anthony is confronted with the decision whether to save his mother or the baby. Like, mm, the doctor is full on being like, shut up, woman. You don't have a choice in your own body. The Lord of the Manor gets to understand. She's like, fuck that. He's a child. And I'm having another child right now in my own house. Get out. Great. Violet Bridgerton, the epitome G. of my body, my choice. She is a G. Love her in this sequence. Anthony's like, yeah, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. He's like, we're going to let her decide. And the doctor's like, what? A woman? Oh my God. But yes, she gets to decide. And then we go back to the Featheringtons. Oh my God. We get this hysterical interaction where Prudence attempts to charm Jack, where he reveals that he's invited the Calvis to dinner. 
Mm, those blondes, man. He's really into it. Anthony and Edwina are having a very awkward conversation. It's kind of cute, though. Things get easier as Edwina starts to discuss her love of books, and Anthony delights in hearing more about that. Later on, Lady Danbury is eavesdropping, because of course she is, on the sisters, while Violet listens in on Daphne and Anthony, which of course she is. <laughs> what are we doing here? Daphne isn't set on Edwina being the one for Anthony, though. She's like, mm. She has no objection. She's like, Edwina is perfect and she's a very nice person. But she doesn't buy that Anthony is actually in love with her, which of course he is not. He's not interested in being. <laughs> right. No, he's already got a bad, real bad. Yeah. As we will discover. Mm -hmm. So at this dinner, Cressida is laying it on very thick towards Jack. Yeah. I mean, she's um, basically he's... like jacking him off under the table, right? Like, it's okay. pretty much like this obvious. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That's the game. That's how you play. Oh, hey, this is a non-judgment. <laughs> get it, Cressida. Go and he's get into it. yours. Yeah. He's and good. Lady Featherington is being very passive aggressive towards yeah. towards their guests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Back oh, at Aubrey Hall. Back at Aubrey Hall to calm Benedict down, Colin gives him some opium tea. Which Benedict is very nervous and takes far too much of. Save that for a little later. Kate and Eloise have this like kind of really nice interaction out on the balcony. Um, Kate, you know, is asking kind of about some of Anthony's behavior, and Eloise tells her that that's Lord Bridgerton's grave, and you know, don't take it personally. Anthony almost never goes over there. Mm -hmm. And Eloise asks her, like, what's it like? What's it like to be an old spinster? That you know, was again wild. at the ripe old age of 26. Wild shit. You seem fine as a spinster. Kate's like, wow. <laughs> it is nice. It is a very nice conversation, though. Like yes. Kate's like, look, I'm I'm secure in my choice, but it's not like it's easy. And it's not like society is built to accommodate me in this situation. Okay. Which Eloise does not understand. Right. She just does not. Then we get this nice little kind of mirror interaction. We get another flashback. Anthony goes to his mother, who's in the state, obviously, of depression, uh, given that her husband just died and she had this very difficult birth. Mm -hmm. And in the present, she shows up at the grave site. And in the past, she's just she's just not there. And she's like, yo, I'm trying, but I get up, I get dressed, I see the oh, kids. That That's all I can do right now. And in the present, you know, Anthony's like, you were not there when I really needed you for that. And I cannot possibly put myself in a situation where I could call, I could experience or cause someone else that much grief. So this is again, getting kind of to the emotional root of this choice he's made where he's like, I'm not interested in a love match. Right. Which <laughs> is, is that he doesn't want to expose himself yeah. to that kind of heartache. Yeah. Cause that always works out in stories that yeah. just mm. works out for the best when you do that. It's very Anakin you know he does yeah. have a lot of Anakin yeah he like he doesn't want to lose people and so he'll do whatever yeah. it takes to not lose people including you know kind of sacrificing himself Anakin to the dark side and Anthony to a life of loneliness mm -hmm. but anyways at dinner <laughs> Benedict <laughs> is hammered he that guy is high off his ass like I don't even that that tea was cray cray we're gonna need to get some at dinner, Benedict, he provides the greatest comic relief in his opium state. Anthony is, like, about to propose, but mm -hmm. he pulls back at the last second, which, like, 
everybody knew what he was about to do and everyone's like oh shit Edwina's not good yeah Mm -hmm. it was tough like poor Edwina like here she is like waiting with bated breath and then it never comes so then Kate comforts her um and then Benedict it's college acceptance day for Benedict he gets his acceptance letter it's a very small envelope not the big package that we I know I was gonna for. say I was like is that his rejection like what's happening right that's what I thought too actually so then back in London Lady Whistledown trashes Cressida and the town's newer modis style in a bid to win over Madame de la Croix's favor did then, you have to call me old that was so funny she's so good mm-hmm. she might be my favorite character actually like she really is great. She is very good. I mean, she's fake French, but still. Yes. So then in the gardens, every good thing happens in the gardens. Kate and Anthony have a conversation. She accuses him of toying with her sister. This is really valid. Bit. Yeah, very valid. Mm-hmm. So then Kate, first of all, the let's just talk about the shot here. There are it's so obvious that they are going to go into this like bee, just like there's yeah. constant bees and they're like very big, like way too big. Anyways, yeah. so then Kate gets stung by a bee. Uh, Anthony panics, obviously he has like PTSD, understandably. Yeah. He starts hyperventilating. Kate has to, cal- Kate has to, let's put yeah. the emphasis on has. has Kate to. has to calm him by placing his hand on her heart, mm-hmm. AKA her boob in order to prove that everything's okay. And here they are, he's just fondling her and they're staring at each other intensely. Heavy and breathing. so good. So oh, much heavy really breathing. really good. Oh my God. It was so hot. It was so, so good. Very sexy. Like, holy shit, oh. they're fully clothed and this is really hot. Woo. Yeah. Here we go. Speaking of hot, it's time for the hearts and flowers ball. Daphne is showing off how good she's gotten at this sort of thing. She's she's doing great by helping out her mother with the party planning. Anthony and Kate are both feeling down, but of course, not revealing why. Gotta keep your secrets. Edwina believes that Kate is the reason Anthony isn't proposing. Yes. <laughs> so he Indeed. So fall in love with her in order to propose to Edwina. Too late. He's already in love with her. I'm very sorry, Edwina. We see quickly that Madame Delacroix is using her dress deliveries to get Lady Whistledown's papers to the printer. Amazing. Love this. Ladies helping ladies, lady bosses. The Featheringtons, speaking of bosses, wow, these women, arrive and both Eloise and Colin delight in Penelope's company because she is lovely. Colin reveals that he's not going to go to the ball though, really, probably. He's going to go see Marina at her nearby estate because that sounds really smart we're going to talk about that later Edwina schemes for Kate to join the men on their hunt amazing in order for her and Anthony to spend some time together yeah Daphne's like that's not gonna work (laughs) (laughs) work. sounds like it's gonna do the exact opposite but that's fine this I just was like no Colin with Marina when he shows up and she's like oh hi what are you doing here? I'm holding my baby. And he sees that she seems pretty content with her life, mm-hmm. which is like, dude, that is your cue to go away. This was so awkward. It's like when you like see your ex like at the grocery store and you're just like, oh, it's you. Except mm. instead of the grocery store, he shows up at your at house. At your house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's worse. <laughs> just like, no, 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 it's... 
just no, Colin, no. Yeah. Daphne is also getting to know Edwina more. Their scene is also really cute. The two diamonds talking to each other, where mm-hmm. she gets the notion that Edwina and Antony don't really know each other very well. Shocking. Yeah. Because they do not. They do not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on the hunt, Kate's really frustrated because the men are not taking her very sensible and accurate advice, which causes her to kind of sneak off alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaving not only behind the men, but also the, the poor lady's maid. Poor lady's who maid. And did not want to be there in the she's slightest. Like, she doesn't know how to ride a horse, probably, because the servants wouldn't be riding the horses. She doesn't know how to go on a hunt. Come on, this poor woman. Justice for the maid. Justice for the maid. Mm. Colin, meanwhile, actually meets Marina's husband, and the two seem to hit it off. Dude likes flowers, Colin likes flowers. They're both, yeah, yeah, they're nerding out together. It's great. Uh, And Eloise is enduring, and I must say it is enduring, the company of the other other young ladies. While Prudence and Lady Featherington are bowling, something Prudence is actually pretty good at. So you know what? Shout outs to the girl. She's, she got a strike. Damn you, Lady Featherington, for not noticing any of your daughters when they accomplish something. Yeah. Right? They finally do stuff, and she's not, (laughs) Prudence, everyone look at me. Oh, this poor girl, I can't. Mm. All right, Anthony finds Kate. She's getting ready to shoot a deer and she can't quite hold the rifle right. Like it's just not the type of gun she's used to. So he gets right up behind her to help her out. And one whiff of her hair, and I cannot hesitate how quickly this guy goes from six to midnight. All right. Accurate. You can pinpoint the exact instant. Man, yeah, mm, he's gonna have to put his gun in front of his crotch. Absolutely. <laughs> and this this stare again, this just super intense stare. <laughs> just seems to just like happen out of mm. nowhere. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is another tense moment where they are interrupted by the arrival of the rest of the hunting party. <laughs> and so they have to go back to the house. This was Rude. like really one of those moments where like I remember just being on the edge of my seat, being like will they or won't they because like he may have been turned on but like I was so turned on I was just like Jesus freaking Christ this is so hot and like they barely touched Mm -hmm. lord this is like this is like the spoons from season one (laughs) I can't except I saw this thank you I'm so glad you saw this one what can I say Kate's hot she is hot she is hot speaking of hot um colin's also hot and colin and marina are still awkwardly talking at marina's house Mm -hmm. marina confronts colin she tells him she's happy with the way things are she's content with her lot he needs to be as well she doesn't have the luxury of living in this like bridgerton fantasy and she tells him to get his head out of the clouds and she encourages him to notice what's in front of him and just kind of like be like just like come back down to earth like my little travel bug and maybe he'd see like Penelope who is right there and in love with him so then okay (laughs) I swear to god okay Anthony and Kate they both can't sleep they end up in the library in not a whole lot of clothing Mm -hmm. Anthony (laughs) tells her why he reacted the way he did at the bee sting more intense staring ensues. There's so much intense staring in these episodes. It's oh during God. a thunderstorm, too. It's like so romantic yeah, so and then, intimate. 
there's a bolt of lightning. It jerks them out of the trance. We'll talk about how this is different in the book later. Um, but the scene's great. The scene's very pivotal in the book. Uh, Daphne reveals to her mother that while Edwina's is great, like no problem, she sucks at palm all, but that's fine. She isn't who she saw Anthony being with. It's just not what she pictured. And she says that much to Anthony who accuses her of meddling. And yeah, like that's 100% what she's doing. That's what siblings are for. And also Anthony, yeah. newsflash, that's what you did to Daphne. Yeah, <laughs> hard, real hard to Daphne. Come on yeah. now. It's because she's a girl, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Anthony, I'm gonna strangle him. At the ball, Edwina and Anthony dance while Eloise is forced into a dance with a suitor from her mother. This was rough. Like, this guy was trash. I'm very glad that she tossed him aside. After spurning the man, Eloise reveals that she knows she's the disappointment to her mother and storms out. That was tough. That was, that very, was a tough moment. That was very tough. I'm like, oh, yeah, honey, it's so hard. And her mom's like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Oh, man. This part more hotness. Whoo, sizzling. Edwina makes Kate and Antony dance mm. so that he can ask for her blessing on their impending engagement. That's exactly what they're going to talk about. The oh, two yeah. dance it is. To be fair, it is what they talk about. They do talk about it, but there are other things that they, that other people are picking up on that they don't know that they're throwing out there. Yeah. The two dance and we're treated to, wait for it, more intense staring. So intense and intense dancing. <laughs> Lady Danbury and Daphne both take notice of this new development and this chemistry that is lighting the dance floor on fire. Kate reveals that she intends to return to India the instant her sister is married. And Antony is visibly upset by this. He is not a happy camper. Like, dude, you can't have both. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he needs to get his act together for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kate chases after him. They have this like super intense conversation where they're shouting at each other. They're confessing openly how much they hate each other. And they are about to get down to some major, major, serious hate fucking when Daphne Man. interrupts. I wish. I wish they had. <laughs> they were so close. Oh, really close. This was the point when I'm watching the episode where I'm like, okay, we're doing the whole tension thing. Like, great, but can we break it already? Like, for the love yeah. of God. <laughs> rip each other's clothes up or something and just get it's down time. to it they won't <laughs> i know so daphne interrupts she confronts anthony about the situation um credit to her for just going straight for the bar <laughs> just be like yo i need a drink if we're gonna do this right now yeah. mm-hmm. um calling out calling out the situ- the similarities between this exact situation and the one that anthony caught daphne and simon in last year yeah. when he forced them to get engaged. Mm-hmm. Anthony insists that he's still intends to propose to Edwina, but Daphne is just like, dude, stop mm-hmm. fucking lying to yourself and be yeah. honest because these sorts of feelings will always come out in the end. Hmm, yep. I wonder if they will. <laughs> Although, like, how would Daphne even know? Because, like, Daphne has no experience. But whatever, that's fine. So while all of this is going down... <laughs> Lady Featherington, that beautiful genius, she has schemed to catch Jack and Prudence in a similar situation. The result is they become engaged, um, securing the Featheringtons' position. It's quite funny, actually, how it happens because Prudence is just like, oh, like what? She's a very bad actress. 
Unfortunately, Jack reveals to her that he is in fact broke. Surprise. Mm. He mm. was hoping to live comfortably on Cressida's dowry, but obviously that's no longer an option. So way to shoot yourselves in the foot, Featheringtons. Yeah. Later on, Lady Danbury offers Kate some sage advice about being honest with herself and her sister. Very good advice. And mm. then everyone's preparing to leave. It's time to leave the country and head back to the city. Kate appears ready to tell Edwina what's been passing between her and the Viscount, but then Antony <sighs> rushes out of the house, gets down on one knee, proposes to Edwina in front of the carriages, and she excitedly accepts. Oh, End man. of episode. Mm. Uh-huh. So much happens in these episodes. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> so much going on. Okay. First... We're going to dive into our major characters and their relationships. We have to start with Antony. For real. This poor guy. I think episode three really is like his episode where we figure out what is up with Antony. First, we're going to start off with his relationship with Edwina. I think these two are really precious together. They're very cute. I think if Kate weren't in the situation, they would make a nice couple. Like, I think... Antony would be like, we're not going to be in love. But then he would slowly fall in love with her if they got married. Yeah, she's they'd make so like kind sweet. of like a, uh, uh, they'd make like a Lord and Lady Grantham type yeah. situation mm-hmm. where like that's not happy. why they got together, but they, they'd they right. work it out over time. Right. I they'd feel like they would just be like together. super boring. To me, they would be like the most boring couple ever. Like, I thought so until later in the season, but we're going to have to save that for yeah because she does have a personality if she were like a complete wet blanket about everything I don't think they'd be happy but I think she would maybe like she'd ease him a little bit which would help because he's I think he's so he's bond so damn tight (laughs) I think the problem with both of them is they're both like very dutiful yes and like that in itself is like Mm kind of boring Mm -hmm. so just in that like it would just be like you don't really want to go over to their house for dinner it would just be like Mm kind of like dry toast fancy yeah it would be fancy fancy and opulent like yeah Yeah. I think they'd be like that happy couple from the that kind of region she's very mature though she's super worldly like Anthony he he's accepting her basically but I do like that she has that feistiness to her but Daphne's right Anthony needs someone who can trade barbs with him who can stand up to him and I don't know if Edwina probably would learn to do that, but I don't think she would at the beginning at all, unless he did something real bad. <laughs> but you know who would? Who? Who? <laughs> mm. Okay, so I'm really Ooh. excited. I got elected to talk about Anthony and Kate. Thanks, team. Um, Anthony <laughs> and Kate are perfect for each other because they are both similar in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. and different in all the right ways they're both super headstrong super obstinate super convinced that they're right mm-hmm. but then also so like passion like secretly passionate and it's just like really exciting how they're kind of starting to bring that out of each other we see it kind of in the mud we see mm-hmm. them like laughing having fun like enjoying competition together. Mm-hmm. but then of course like they shut it down you know yeah. like they, they both kind of know their place they've got a sense of duty as well and 
you know, Anthony is just, he's not ready to let her in yet. And she's not ready to let him yet either. Um, I think in a way she feels some guilt over what she's doing in terms of Edwina and like the money situation. And I think she thinks that he would think less of her for kind of manipulating the situation. Mm -hmm. And then of course he thinks that he'll look weak if he is like, my dad got stung by a bee and I can't like, you know, get over <laughs> can't it. Deal with don't it. have therapy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think <sighs> the show does such a good job of showing how great they are together and how mm-hmm. they just fit. It's like oh. puzzle pieces. And I just like love it. They so just, much. they naturally gravitate towards each other in they that, oh, in the, in that early scene. I mean, who does he first go see? Yeah. out of the carriages which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons Daphne confuses Kate for Edwina is because yeah. he's naturally drawn to, to her Kate. yeah it's and amazing the dog and gotta the get the dog it. gotta get the dog's approval Newton is not having it no <laughs> like, no I don't think so dude <laughs> All right, on to a, uh, a little bit of a sadder relationship here. We have we get much more here about Anthony and Violet. So grief does absolutely terrible things to us as people. A lot of familial relationships don't survive an, an event like the death yeah. of Lord Bridgerton and that aftermath. Like there are plenty of people who would have just like cut ties yeah. and pieced out and just mentally and emotionally checked out completely. Um, so it's really interesting to see Violet in her depression compared to now like we see everything she has dealt with everything she has gone through and how far she's come to kind of rebuild her own sense of self mm-hmm. and her sense of life after that great loss not to mention the postpartum depression she was going through on top of it at the exact same time she's trying to be there for Anthony in the present to be that mother that he absolutely needs here but in his mind he left the need for a mother behind when Hyacinth was born. And it's just really, really sad to see them in that situation together. It's so hard. I have like a lot to say about this. Um, I'm obviously like going through a very difficult time in my life right now. Um, And so when I see Violet kind of like working through this like horrific situation largely alone and with all these children to take care of mm-hmm. I think there is so much to be said about her strength and how she although it's very hard and she is very depressed and she doesn't have a lot of the tools that we now have like therapy and you know mm-hmm. all sorts of things medication that she probably would have needed um she does end up holding it together and she holds this entire family together, mm-hmm. even through her grief, even through this um, personal turmoil that she's going through because she did, she loved Edmund. He was the love of her life. They were for sure a love match. And so to see her now without him, like this is not how she pictured her life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like really respect her for what she did for her family and what she continues to do to mm-hmm. do the best she can by herself and mm-hmm. while while Anthony is pretty fucked up <laughs> from this situation mm-hmm. yeah I think he's more fucked up by like the actual seeing his dad die than seeing his mother so depressed 
Um, I think what he learned from seeing his mom so sad is that like love is kind of a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like he's only seen the bad part in a lot of ways. And so, um, yeah, I just, I really, really love how the show explores Antony and Violet in this season. It's very good. Yeah. I love Violet. We need more Violet. <laughs> I mean, she's, we're going to get a lot of her. She's going to be in every season. Yes, that's true. She's just trying to get her kids married so she can have the house to herself. Yeah. She's just like, I just need some quiet. <laughs> Everybody go get married now. Highest of you two, just all of you go. I mean, God bless Francesca, who moved out of the country. Mm-hmm. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, get after it, Francesca. We love yeah. you. Next, we have Antony with Daphne. I love them. This is such a great sibling dynamic. So funny. It's a great showcase for these two. Their positions of power have completely reversed since last season, which is really fun to see. Since Daphne not only technically outranks Antony because she is a duchess, but also since he's no longer her guardian, he has no control over her. She can say whatever the fuck she wants. And this mm-hmm. means she speaks her mind. When she wants, how she wants, she goes and gets that drink real fast. And then it's like, we're going to have some real talk here because you treated me like shit in this situation. And what if it had been someone else that caught you? They yeah. would have treated her like shit. Not mm-hmm. you. You would be fine. You'd just be like, yeah, you have to marry her. But there'd still be that, oh, they have to marry so quickly. I wonder why. And it's always and the it's woman's fault. Shocking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, I like this Daphne. This funny, witty, competitive. I'm going to destroy my brother brothers at this ball game. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on, we have Kate and Edwina. And I mean, Kate is very much trying to comfort her sister. She is being very nurturing. She is so protective of her younger sister. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a question, is Kate right to attempt to sacrifice her own happiness in the, in the hopes that her sister will have some? Kate is, Kate is the light herself on fire to light the way for others. Um, I can't say that she's wrong because that's how I am. (laughs) Um, but she has a lot to unpack in therapy too. Um, mm-hmm. you can't pour from an empty cup and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think she's right too. However, I don't think she sees the other way, which is that they can both be happy. Like it doesn't have right. to be either or, or it can other. be both. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I, yeah, it's a lot. I think the whole Sheffield family fortune dowry thing is also hanging over her head so she's worried about her mother like not just her sister's happiness but her mother's happiness yeah to her it's right like to her this is the right decision even though chaos is probably going to ensue from these kind of decisions she thinks that she's doing right I think and and it's really hard I I don't think I think she should have said something like the night before I think the struggle here is that like, to me, this is the like less well done part of the season is this like Sheffield family issue, mm-hmm. um, great. which like doesn't exist in the book. And I just feel like they, 
it wasn't like a high enough stake for her to be giving up her happiness. Like it just didn't really make sense that it would have to be either or. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I think that's a show issue and not a Kate issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. The actress is slaying it. Like she, oh, she shows, she's doing so well with this role. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we also have some great interactions. I just love the relationship between Kate and Lady Danbury. They have mm-hmm. such great chemistry together on screen. The actresses play off each other so well. And yeah. I could just totally buy them having some kind of like mentor mentee based friendship that lasts yes. like forever. How to swing a cane. Although she yes. knows how to swing a croquet mallet. So I think she's <laughs> yes. I love these two together. And I like how they both had like their little braids in for the evening so that their hair gets curly because you have to have curly hair. Otherwise your life is ruined. And they're in like just their robes and they're going outside and they're chilling outside and being ladies. But then of course, Lady Danbury is like, you're going to catch a cold. Your face is going to get puffy. Get back inside. (laughs) Like for real. (laughs) Such good shit. So good. I love that. All right, so next up, we see a lot more of Edwina in these episodes. So we get our first real sense of her as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, we see her at Pall Mall. She enjoys sport, but not Pall Mall, apparently. <laughs> and she doesn't have the same competitive nature as her sister, for sure. It kind of like made her uncomfortable, it seemed, mm-hmm. to be competing. Yeah, I think that's the part that really like got to her. Yeah. Like the game itself, she was like, oh yeah, this is like fine. Games. But when yeah. she saw how intense the people got like, about it, it's just like, this what game? is this? <laughs> right just a game fucker that's basically what she's saying it kind of seems like edwina always has the right thing to say Mm -hmm. she's been trained yeah it's like hard to know what's her actual opinion or thought and what she just feels like is the right thing to say at this time and she also puts an insane amount of pressure on herself Mm -hmm. um like she should have done better i could have done more like Mm. no you you're doing you and like you're great the way you are Mm -hmm. we do see her perfection start to crack a little bit in these episodes her stress levels are super high Mm -hmm. she yells at Kate that yes like this is what she wants and we're not like really sure if she's trying to convince Kate or herself of this Mm -hmm. um it's also like when I whenever I see this and like whenever I think about Aubrey Hall because we get a lot of Aubrey Hall in the books it's like very uncomfortable for me that like these people are all staying in a stranger's house. It's like a really long sleepover at a stranger's house. And yes. like, I would be so uncomfortable. So I'm I not mean, surprised that she's uncomfortable. Well, I mean, to put the, to put the modern, to put the modern like label on it. This is the, and I've never seen an episode of this show, but I, from what I understand, this is what happens. This is like the meet the parents episode of the bachelor, right? Where they like the hometown oh yeah oh god yeah, yeah in a way <laughs> I mean you don't really know them very well I mean yeah you're gonna go and meet your parents like the girls meet parents the whole family yeah but I feel like at the hometowns it's like more, it just feels like maybe there's more stuff to do mm-hmm. and so like you're a little bit like hey like let's all go on the farm and take a look at the combine or whatever <laughs> and schedule like this is more like if you're not perfect, then like you're fucked. So I don't know. Yeah. What do you have on your toast in the morning? It better be a certain thing. Otherwise That's right. Get, get just totally annihilated by these people. Right. Uh, all right. Poor Edwina. We love her. We wish you all of the best things, Edwina. 
You know who we don't wish the best though in this situation? Fucking Colin. My God, dude. No, Colin and Marina and Mr. Crane, Lord Crane, like, come on. What the fuck is he thinking? He's not thinking. He's this like fucking white knight kid syndrome. I love that Marina called him a child. Yeah. Like that he was a child living in this fantasy land where he could come and save her from all of her troubles and woes. He thinks that he knows what's best. Otherwise, like, why did you stay to dinner when it was obvious Marina was super uncomfortable? Like, dude, read the room. I guess he was just so excited to find another fanboy, which was pretty adorable watching them dork out together. That part I liked. And like, okay, Mr. Crane's obviously kind of lonely too. And he found a fellow nerd and he's like, we could talk about plants. But poor Marina, she's like, there's two babies. Like, can we not have my ex freaking fiance over to dinner? Oh, I just, I could not with Colin in this moment I was like leave her the fuck alone she's married she has two babies like she's living the best life she can live in the confines of this society like leave her the fuck alone but this is the issue with the Bridgertons right like Mm -hmm. they witnessed this but also like they witnessed this epic love story between their parents that just isn't typical right and they just like seek that and like want to replicate that maybe not Hyacinth who didn't really see it or Gregory, who was really, really little, but like the older or one. Or Anthony, who was actively campaigning against it. <laughs> well, he sees it in a different way, right? Anthony kind of took it the opposite way, where it's like, this is too much. And like, mm-hmm. I can't have this much or else it's going to hurt. But I think Colin, Daphne, for sure, Francesca, they kind of saw this love. And they're like, how yeah. can I get this? Because like, this is the pinnacle. And so Colin's like, you know, I loved her. Like, she's great. Like, let's make it happen. And Marina, she's living in the present. She hasn't had this experience. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, this, you can't hope for that. That's not a real thing. That's like a right. one in, you know, one million shot. And it's not me. Yeah. And she had hers, like hers died. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Colin. It's not you. She didn't right. love you. She didn't. That's the thing. Like Colin loved her, but she didn't love him. Right. He was convenient. He's not in her. the same way. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was yeah, very really grateful. in any way. I don't think grateful she for him, but not. Yeah. She's like, I liked you. She was going to do the thing that Anthony wants to do: marry 100%. somebody who's kind that I could get along with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. she does that. She did that completely. Lord Crane, he seems fine. Yeah, he likes plants. He's, no, I think he's fine. I like nerds. <laughs> oh, I mean, me too. <laughs> but he's, he's I think like, he too is like he's in a situation he doesn't really want to be in but he's trying to be kind and good and it's just they're not going to be happy i don't think they're gonna make it work depends try if we're gonna go in what happens in the book (laughs) no i don't think we should spoil that far (laughs) i'm still miffed over that after i found that out there's a lot going on with lord crane that we don't know yet yeah All right, next up, we have Benedict. Not a ton from here, but I just want to know, can we just like plop out regular Benedict and make him always stoned Benedict? Because that's a great fucking guy. I second that motion. Oh my God, he's so funny. I I love Benedict. I think he's hilarious. I love how he's always playing devil's advocate also. 
when he's like, come on, let her go hunt with us. This is going to be great. <laughs> Antony's like, I'm going to hit you. Like, I'm going to full on hit you in the face. And Benedict's just like, well, just we get waiting. I love it. I'm like, not to, not to jump too far ahead here, but I, well, we could just skip down also to Eloise, like the difference between Benedict and Eloise and how they're kind of like handling the, I'm not the oldest situation. Yeah, I'm the Benedict is just like, dude, I got no pressure on me. This is fucking great. Anthony gets to deal with all the shit and I can just do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. And Eloise is just so different and she doesn't know how to handle that because she still has these high expectations on her. and it's very middle child syndrome she's set on the idea that her mother both cannot and is actively will not understand her yeah uh that confession at the ball is just heartbreaking um and it's the but it's such like a it's a cry for help and a cry for attention that violet just doesn't know how to answer Mm-hmm. Like she is just not prepared for Eloise. <laughs> no, I don't think any mother of this time period would be, because she's she's very progressive, and the women in the nobility are pretty samezies. Like all the girls she talks to, they're like, "Disobey our mothers?" Yeah, they're just horrified by that. I would never do that. Never. Why would I ever do that? Yeah, my mother knows best. No, they don't. Freaking Violet told Daphne that the sex was a flower metaphor. Come on now. That was the worst. I can't. That I can't. was terrible. <laughs> you know who actually is kind of a good mom? Lady Featherington. Hey. <laughs> if you say so. She, yeah, sure. I think she's got, she at least has her daughter's like interests in heart when it comes to living comfortably, like living a comfortable life. How she goes about it is like, wow, <laughs> something has gone horribly wrong here. But I love just seeing her scramble and try and scheme because she's just got that air about her. Like, you know, she's going to succeed somehow, but it's going to be a whole fucking hot mess to get to the end. Like, she's no way, no way she's going to let this new Lord Featherington ruin her life and her daughter's lives. Like, no, she's not going to let this happen. She has that like survivor type spirit, but she doesn't think things through at all. Like she, she panics too quickly and she's very smart and cunning but when you don't think ahead mm. (laughs) well this is like kind of the thing with her though sometimes she thinks like too far ahead instead of just like letting things kind of like wait and see she's just like Mm -hmm. how can I scheme this and Mm -hmm. it's like just chill just chill bitch yeah wait wait a minute drink some opium tea like everyone (laughs) everyone drinks some opium tea yeah Okay, let me go check on Shar real quick because she is like singing so loud in her bed and I want to make sure she's okay. So <laughs> catch back up with Penelope. Hold up. Oh, Penelope, poor Pen. Oh my God. I love Pen, but the poor thing, yikes. Ooh, okay, what's next music? What? Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> oh, Penelope. <laughs> she's very imperfect, but I do love an imperfect character. Yeah. I sure hope that they fix Colin next season, though. I'm I was like, gonna say, Colin, Colin's gonna have to uh, beg Colin's... forgiveness. Mm, no, Colin's gonna have to be full on head over heels for Penelope when he finds out that she literally whistled down and blew the whistle on Marina. Marina, yeah, 
Kong's gonna have to be yeah. like so far in it that he's just like, I don't care. That, that yeah, you blew that. up my engagement. Ooh, and you wrote about Eloise. And you wrote about Eloise. Although mm. I think he might actually get over that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think he will. I think I think so. All right, so let's talk about our girl Penn in these episodes. So we've always like known that Penn is super clever and smart, but in mm-hmm. these, she really shows her ingenuity, her cleverness. She knows she needs Madame Delacroix on her side because she just does. Like Madame Delacroix, like knows this stuff. Absolutely, mm-hmm. she was and suspected like, as Lady Whistledown for a while. Totally, mm-hmm. and she just has a lot of access. And obviously this won't be the first time or this isn't the first time that we see Penn use her writing to make things happen that she wants. It won't be the last time either. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on Penn because big things about to happen, especially Ooh. probably in season three. <laughs> oh, Penn. Penn, Penn, sweet Penn. We do love you, even if you make really big mistakes. <laughs> yeah. That's mistakes. fine. You wouldn't be a fun character if you didn't. That's right. Okay. So next, we're going to move into our things to listen for, the Bridgerton soundtrack. The biggest music cue from this episode is the Vitamin String Quartet covering Dancing on My Own. I love this song. It's originally by Robin. I jam to this every single day. While we were watching the episode, I sang the lyrics to it as I watched with my mom, and she was just mystified. She's like, how do you know the words to this song? And it's actually from an episode of Girls that I watched and then immediately downloaded the song. I don't really like that show, but I really like it. <laughs> so I was like jamming with my mom. It was great. I won't lie. I had never heard the song until the show. And it wasn't until afterwards that I actually looked up the song itself. Like it's an original version. Like I knew as I was watching, I was like, this is obviously a cover of something. That's just how the show rolls. But I had no idea what the song was. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's the face dancing on my own. It fits so well in the moment. It and I'm does. just like, take yeah, your word I didn't for know it. this one either. <laughs> no idea what song Oh, well, you need this song. It's so good. Yeah, clearly. So but good. I yeah, love no, I didn't it. know it. It's about unrequited love, basically, oh. like watching the dude you like be with someone else. Oh, my favorite. Yep. So then. Of course, we get Kate dancing with Anthony, the one she wants to be with, whether she wants to say it or not, but he's going to be with Edwina, like, mm, so good, so good. I love this song. Yes, listen to it, well. I will. Spotify tomorrow on my way to work. All right. And next up, we have our best fit. So I am absolutely giving this to Kate's hunting outfit. Looks fucking great. Spoiler, I probably would give Kate best fit every episode this season. The girl just looks hot in absolutely fucking everything. Her nightgown. She looks ridiculously hot in her nightgown. I was yeah. about to say this exact thing. So ridiculous. ridiculous. The hunting outfit. So the hunting outfit with kind of like the coat-like dress and the hat on top. It's that beautiful, beautiful, like bluish kind, a little bit of green in there. And mm-hmm. it's just so, so good. Um, I also want to give a shout out to actually a character we don't see that often, Lady Mary. The layers she has during that Palmal match are just, I think, really intriguing and look really, really good. The fabric is actually insanely detailed. And then it has that kind of golden edge going along it. Mm-hmm. Thought it looked really good. She always looks very put together. Like it's perfect. And I love when she wears the velvet 
like anytime anybody's wearing that lush velvet, it looks really great. I like the differences in how the boys dress, the Bridgerton boys. You have Anthony in dark colors, and he does match Kate a few times on the hunting trip they are matching. Benedict is the flashiest, obviously. He has a lot of color, usually. And then Colin has these slightly pastel hues, like his coat was that baby blue, signaling his youth compared to his brothers and also his more like lofty ideals as compared to his brothers. Oh, my dude, Colin. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Innocent baby. Like, somebody needs to hit him <laughs> really hard. Colin just always looks like he's going to the Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> just like, yep. He's the pastel baby. Benedict gets to be flashy. And Anthony's like, I am the head of the household. I am dour. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I do also want to give one quick shout out to uh, Lady Danbury in that like deep, deep red at the ball. Looking, looking solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, next we're going to do our things we want to discuss. There's a bunch of little things in here that are really fun. Palmel versus Croquet. This is fantastic. <laughs> this game is amazing. It's a precursor to Croquet, actually. The object of the game is to get your ball through all of the hoops in the fewest strokes. The game came to England from France, because of course it did, in the 17th century. <laughs> we like this. Julia Quinn, she's so funny. She stated that the game was the closest thing she could find to Croquet at the time the novel was set, so she went with it. She obviously wanted a game that could make people get really mad <laughs> at each other, which Croquet often does. She's not sure she got the rules right, but, quote, then again, I've never played Croquet by the official rules, end quote. Who has? Yeah, I was like, rich say, people, I guess. Not. Rich people. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, a little bit, a few of the differences. We touched on some of these before. The differences between the book and the show in these episodes, starting off with the bee and the sting. Now, in the book, Anthony panics so much that he attempts to suck the venom out of Kate's sting point. You know, on her chest. He panics that he just puts his belt right on there and starts sucking. Talk about a mommy complex. Like, I dude. Know. Okay, but this part was so hot in the book, though. <laughs> I gotta say, it's a great change, though. Like, if we're, if, we're, if we're rating, like, is that a smart change or whatever? It's a pretty good story-wise change. I think it's good no, I would have paid to see him absolutely latch on. He thinks that there absolutely has to be like an outtake where they did it like just for fun. Yes, please show us. I mean, that. I'll pay extra for that. I'll <laughs> I'll go on Pornhub and get it. Yeah, bees were all over the place in season one, kind of foreshadowing things going on in the season. Both Benedict and Eloise have sported bee themed accessories in season one, which, given what we know about them now and the whole deal with Lord Bridgerton is kind of morbid, but they both are kind of the black sheep of the family. So it makes a little sense. A little bit. Yeah. Benedict has like his collar popped and has bees on the side of it. And I'm like, all right, my guy, it's, that's what we're doing. That seems fine. I found this out. I was very curious as to whether they could have saved Lord Bridgerton, like whether this was available. Bridgerton is set around like 1813, that time frame. The discovery of epinephrine didn't happen until 1897, and it wasn't used medically until 1905. So Viscount Bridgerton was born a little too early for an EpiPen. Just a little, a little too early. 
I also just want to point out, and I, I'm pretty sure, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, listeners who have read the book, but I think it says in the book that he had been stung before with no reaction. Mm. And so, so, like so often, up. yeah, it's like the second or the third time that these things happen. And so like, he was not expecting it. Nobody was expecting it. Um, and then it just happened. Um, so it's, you know, it's doubly bad in that. Mm-hmm. That's poor so thing sad. yeah it's really really sad um okay we do have to mention something here this is like kind of crucial <laughs> yeah huge my mom was talking about this a lot yeah so so was I because I was like this does not happen in the book Edwina and Anthony do not get engaged in the book so after the bee sting incident where he's sucking on her titties he is more or less like forced into an engagement with Kate, similar to Daphne and Simon last season, right? They're compromised. And so they have to get married. Prudence and Lord Featherington, same thing. It's like not too weird that Prudence and Lord Featherington are engaged because hit it, Colleen. Yeah. Fanny Bryce marries her first cousin yeah. in Mansfield Park. Jane, I mean, like, we still do what that are you doing? in, like, Alabama and stuff, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Lady Featherington is is right to point out, like, look at the royals. Like, this this mm-hmm. is what they sure. do. Yeah, They're all so married true. to cousins. Yeah, fourth cousin, they wouldn't have batted an eye. The queen would definitely approve. Elizabeth and Philip were related, weren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Edwina and Anthony never get engaged. It's like, it's really not even a thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, doesn't Edwina be like, this is fine. Yeah, well, Edwina likes somebody else. Like, it's really, like, not even an issue at all. So, anyways, the plot of this season is completely different than the Viscount who loves me, period. <laughs> um, another difference compared to season one, a lot less sex and nudity so far. I have a lot of thoughts about this. I do want to hear your thoughts about it. Good change, bad change, different change. How are we feeling? I like it. I mean, I like the slut. I'm here for the smut. I think that fits Simon and Daphne much more, especially since Kate is an Indian actress in Bollywood. Like you can't even kiss. Like you don't, you don't, you can like dance together and maybe touch hands, but there's no kissing. So showing a lot of sexual content would maybe be strange if you have Indian viewers who are more used to Bollywood style. I, I mean, it could still get sexier, but it's pretty damn sexy. I mean, that dance, shit. just like Darcy and Elizabeth in Pride and Prejudice, the uh, 2005 version, like sizzle, sizzle, spark when they do like the hand thing and they're like touching and like, mm, my God, I saw everything that Lady Danbury saw. And yes, mm-hmm. still hot, still very hot. <laughs> Anders, Anders yeah. So I was thinking about this a little bit more today and I, I always, I liked the choice to, to begin with just to kind of help differentiate the two seasons together to keep things kind of newer, fresher, keep things interesting and not just spoon feed people what they're expecting. Mm -hmm. And I think it also makes sense if you think about this, the differences, our main characters that we're focusing on Daphne season one, Anthony in season two, you know, Daphne is very sheltered she doesn't really know what she's doing and then once she gets married like the floodgates kind of open which makes sense like she absolutely would be in this situation like oh my god yes let's do it again let's do it let's 
let's let's go this is great i mean have you seen simon though literal floodgates (laughs) yeah yeah Mm-hmm. But Anthony is this season. Anthony, I mean, the entire series opened with Anthony fucking against the tree in yeah. season one. Yeah. So we're not going to have that necessarily. We already know that about him. What we're focusing on this season is him actively suppressing these feelings and building this internal tension, waiting for things to just kind of burst out at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. So for them to focus more on just building more and more of those tense moments. I was starting to get a little tired of them by the end of this episode because we had like four of them in a single episode mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to having them be a little bit more spread out. Right. But I think it's 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 a good choice overall. So I appreciate a slow burn. <laughs> I do. And I appreciate a longing look and I appreciate hands on bosoms. At the same time, like, and this is going to be kind of my complaint in the future episodes too. They just took so long to get to anything, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. like remotely PG-13. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me, it just took too long. I, I wanted all this condensed, like episodes one and two, maybe three, but like four, like let's at least kiss people. Let's go. Like, yeah. honestly, I can't. They they were doing like the I hate you I hate you more mm-hmm. <laughs> like thing and I was I was just waiting for them smash. to just, just to, <laughs> I mean just it come was it was like very people. yeah it, it was very quintessential like movies of this time period books of this time period it was very will they won't they mm-hmm. and yeah I mean I I was here for it but like a little more. again it just dragged on. Yeah, it does. It's It does start to drag a little bit. I'm with you on that. And it's almost like they forgot what got people to watch season one. Like, mm. I wasn't going to watch season one until people were like, oh my God, it's so hot. And I was like, okay, like, let's go. Now I'll watch it. But it's like, they kind of lost that viewership in a way where it was like, this is no longer smut. This is just like a romantic show. But right. like, we need a little bit of smut. Like, again, the titty sucking would have done it, but you didn't get it, so whatever we needed the titty sucking people we need the titty sucking we needed something <laughs> i'm just saying like why cut out like the one canon smut thing that happened there was no need to cut it like, it really was he not. literally like rips her dress open like it's hot as fuck in the book he's just like well bam and then like he's just like latched on to he's not like on the nipple or anything team like it's not like that but like he's like all up in her like business it's great anyways that's it (laughs) medical motorboat yeah he's just like let me suck that poison out girl and she's like yeah Okay, so I have a question here about these episodes that's actually more of a logistics question that I started thinking about. Mm-hmm. This this is like an annual Bridgerton ball. Yes, so did this happen last year? Like the season, the season, season two opens with Lady Danbury being like, oh, most of the town has been in the country for the off season. So why the hell are we going back for the biggest yeah. event of the new season? And on that note, like, what actually constitutes a season here? Like, was season one the spring, then everyone, like, leaves for the country in the summer, and now it's the fall? 
or was it like was it the fall and then everyone went to the country for the winter and now it's the spring i know like season one obviously had enough time for daphne to to grow and give birth to a baby so it's probably more like Mm -hmm. a year has gone by but like i'm confused by the logistics here i love the fact that we got to go to the country and see this it's a nice Mm -hmm. like change of setting it was cool set up for these episodes but i was just kind of like wait didn't they just leave here yeah that confused me too i i did look this up because i saw your question i'm like i need to research this so the season or the social season for the nobility was during the spring and summer when the families would return from their country homes to the city in london typically started in march ended in september the only thing I can think here is because this is kind of like an anniversary thing for Viscount Bridgerton's death. Like the, they all go back to the country mm. for this one event. It seems like it would be more like an end of the season event though. Yeah. Yeah. An and I opener. think in the books it is. So in yeah. the books, they go back to Aubrey Hall for this sort of ball situation in almost all the books, like mm-hmm. in Eloise's book, while she's not at Aubrey Hall, the rest, like, at least some of the family is at Aubrey Hall. And I think Kate and Anthony actually end up moving there for the majority um, of the time because Kate really likes it. So while he does it to be at Bridgerton House pretty often, they do spend a lot of time at Aubrey Hall. And also like Daphne spends a lot of time, obviously like at the Hastings estate. And so there's they're mostly in the country. They're really only in the city during some of the season. And even then, like they go back and forth. But I do think in the books... This was either like the kickoff event. I think it was like the kickoff event. Like the okay. season is beginning, and so we're let's leaving get the country by bees. Okay. Yeah. It just All seems right. misplaced. You're correct, yeah, Anders. Seems... Where it is like, wouldn't have been better. I, I didn't easier? go back and rewatch season one, but I was like, I'm pretty sure we didn't do this last year. If it's the event of the season, Mm-mm, definitely not. All right, so I would like to know, growing up, did you guys have any family traditions like the Pall Mall game? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, games in my family are life or death, pretty much. Uh, most of us are hyper-competitive, just like the Bridgertons. This is me and my cousins and aunts and uncles on my mom's side. We get together every year for a week and go to a lake and hang out in these, like, cabins that are not cabins they're houses and we're just there for the week together right now there's probably 60 people that go and I have 20 first cousins so we had this one game of spoons at the lake alcohol may or may not have been happening at the same time <laughs> it was a game of spoons I don't know if everybody knows how to it's play spoons, spoons so alcohol trying has to grab, be you're trying to grab all the spoons and whoever has to like sit out or chug their beer is the one who doesn't get a spoon. So my uncles came in one night, hoisted, hoisted. All of us cousins were trying to have a friendly competitive game of spoons. They joined in and one round, both of my uncles, not small men, leaped upon the table and cracked the base. Like this huge oak wood table they cracked the face because of the violence of their spoon grabbing (laughs) yes I very much understood this concept of palm oil and destroying each other in the name of love and family 
Absolutely. Yeah. For us, it was always, it was always the Thanksgiving trivial pursuit game. So it was usually like my family and my dad's sister's family and things get intense. There was one year, um, my mom's brother and his family were with us for the first time in a while and they had never played trivial pursuit with us before. And they were like, Oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a nice post post dinner relaxing game, but you could see it on their faces by the end. They were just like, what the fuck did we get ourselves into? Now, to be fair to us, we were mercilessly mocking them because, okay. It's, the question was basically like, what's the most popular ice sport in Canada? And yeah. my aunt and my cousin spent 20 minutes talking themselves out of saying hockey and into saying curling. curling. Yes, oh they God. spent 20 minutes doing this and then they didn't understand why we were all laughing at them. That's <laughs> oh my hilarious. God. My family won't play trivial pursuit with me. Uh, my family's <laughs> tiny, so we don't have very competitive family traditions because there's only four of us. Um, I don't have cousins. We sometimes we played Xbox, but that was really about it. <laughs> yeah, no. just having like a nice congenial holiday. <laughs> no, we we definitely like yell at each other. We just get angry, but we're not playing games <laughs> and getting angry. We're just pissed. no one gets to win from being That's angry. Right. <laughs> there's no winners. There's only losers in my family. <laughs> Yeah, the game situation is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Super fun times playing games with family <laughs> when you're very competitive. Whew. Okay, this one is getting a little more serious. We had to start with something fun so we could go into something serious. The birth of Hyacinth. It's really Violet's choice, which is very oddly fitting for us to have this conversation in this moment in our pre-dystopian America. Uh, the doctor, I wanted to punch him in his fucking face. He's just talking about Violet like she's not in the room. Fucking atrocious. Unacceptable. Luckily, Anthony's afraid of her, basically, and lets her make her own decisions. He's like, no. Mm -mm. If I do something wrong, my mom will kill me. So let's not do anything with this. It really wasn't his place to tell his mom what to do, even if he is the new Viscount Bridgerton. Like, no. And I don't think Edmund would have made the decision for her either. No, I, think, I don't think he would have. No, he would have been like, no, this is her choice. This is our baby. I want our baby to be safe, but I also want my wife to be safe. And she has seven kids. Come on. When she's standing, like that is a actual thing that you can do to help mm -hmm. the birth process along mm -hmm. is to stand and walk. The whole idea of confinement which had probably gone out of fashion by this time, but where in like Shakespearean times, they thought that it was proper to lock a woman in a room with no light and no air circulation. And that was the proper way to give birth. It's no wonder that all these babies die. <laughs> like for real, it's just atrocious. And she's like, no, I've had all of my kids in this house, including that one right there. Like, no, he's not making this choice for me. And I, mean, I just love like how mad she is. It's also just like asking Anthony is ridiculous. Like at this yeah. time, Anthony is what seventeen. Yeah, not even. He's young. like he's like fifteen, isn't he? He's super super young, and it's like I think he's older than Kate. Oh, this is wait, this is ten years ten earlier. Years so he's nineteen. 
He's 19. Okay, so it's just so he's like, still a baby. Like, he's still good. Well, but also, like, he has, I'm sure he's never been in the room while his mom's giving birth. Like, he doesn't know anything about no, birth, no, he's about babies, about uteruses. Like, he doesn't know anything. And so it's like asking a random man yeah. for his, like, medical opinion is just ridiculous. Like, so it doesn't violent. make any sense. It's very insulting. And, like, yeah. good on Violet for, like, not taking it. Yeah. So awful. She's like, no, fuck you. We're both living. No, this is not a if or situation. Like, I am going to power through this birth. And she does. Mm-hmm. And Hyatt, 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 she seems fine. She's a good kid. She she's does. She's a good girl. She's and she's very girl. funny. And it sucks she's never dad. But she yeah. has her mom and all of her siblings, which her mother birthed in that room. In that room. <laughs> Oh, the doctor, he's canceled. Uh, the doctor. Oh. Speaking of hyacinth, actually, it is worth noting. Uh, I don't think we mentioned it earlier. So the flowers that Ed, Ed was picking when he got stunned by the bee were hyacinths. Yes. So that is where she gets her name. Yes. So yeah, this scene <laughs> reminded me of two things. Um, the first is, again, I was watching, I watched uh, the series Victoria recently mm-hmm. about the young Queen Victoria and her mother is giving her like home remedies for like nausea during her, her first pregnancy. And her husband is like, Oh, what, uh, what like statistical data do you have to show that this is like medically thing? And she just, the, the, his mother-in-law looks at him and goes, ask any woman who's ever given birth. Do you have a uterus? Have you given birth or been pregnant? You have no opinion. (laughs) And then the other one, and this is the the sadder comp, uh, is oh. one of my actually one of my favorite movies, Pan's Labyrinth, so where the mother is in a di- in a difficult birth situation, and the doctor doesn't even ask. The colonel just says, "If it comes down to it, save the kid." Yeah, and he's just flat, and it's terrible. Oh, that movie makes me so angry, but it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's so good, but it's so mm. <laughs> poor Ophelia. She deserves yeah. everything. So this season gave us a lot of mother-daughter relationship showcases, which is perfect tonight, as you've seen my daughter go in and out of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it, though, significant that we really haven't spent a lot of time with Lady Mary, who, mm-hmm. like, is a pretty central mother in the season, and yet we barely see her? Like, we know her right. scandal with marrying um a merchant right he's like lower class than she was but other Mm -hmm. than that like we really don't get very much of her at all like what does she have like maybe 10 lines in the whole season not a ton she's very quiet she's very quiet and the scenes that seem like scenes that would be like mothering scenes with her daughters it's usually it ends up kate is delivering the lines to edwina Mm -hmm. or lady danbury is stepping in and talking to kate instead of her it feels like lady mary is still in her mourning period i I don't remember flow in the book do they say how long it's been since the dad died i feel like it had been a long time Um, we do barely see lady mary in the book too like kate just kind of takes charge she's her own person kate doesn't really need anybody Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, Lady Mary just kind of takes a backseat. But right. it is it is a weird relationship for sure. Mm-hmm. I do love that she treats them both like her daughters. Absolutely. And she sees no difference, which is lovely. 
especially during that time. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, she could have just as easily tossed Kate right out of the house. Right. Just like the Featheringtons are afraid is going to happen to them. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll work it out. Yeah, the Featheringtons will be fine. Just push your tits up and you're good. That's the yep. Featherington model. Yep. Tits out, ladies. Let's tits go. Tits out. You got this. All right. And on that note, that is where we're going to leave it for today. So thank you guys for being with us and come back next time for more shenanigans with the BGS ton. You can join us as a podcast or on YouTube and either way, smash that follow button, leave us a five-star review, check out our website, bohemiangeekstudies.com. You can watch all of our episodes, enjoy Colleen's book corner, where she reviews Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. We are also getting gearing up on the yet another Star Wars podcast feed for the new series, Kenobi. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us. It always helps. And until next time, keep those pow-mow mallets up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.